0: The show, the establishment you about. Welcome back to the Dr. Tommy Show. Joining you live from the Free State, of Florida, in Tampa, Florida, from Echelon Health Studios, live on Rumble, and available on all the podcasting platforms, including iHeart, Amazon, Apple, Google, and the rest of them. So glad you're here. We have a lot of stuff to go over. It's uh, kind of all over the place. Uh, one of the things that I was going to go over is all these Twitter files that I keep dropping. This started last week, started on Friday actually, and then continued into this week. And there's been some interesting developments have started have continued since the first Twitter files dropped. So the first Twitter files dropped, I think it was Friday, right around five o'clock, and it was uh, uh they were given apparently from Elon Musk to this guy Matt Taibbi, who is this uh, journalist kind of a, I guess they call him a. Independent journalist or whatever the case is. Anyway, so this Matt Taibbi, he starts dropping all these Twitter files that basically show that the government and uh, well, at that time, not the government, it was the DNC was working with Twitter to basically flag certain tweets that they didn't like, and also to uh, reduce the impact of those tweets, either through uh, suppressing the tweets and uh, doing other things like uh, just taking them down. For instance, one of the people that was really mad about it was James Woods, who uh, who was uh, specific, specifically listed in the Twitter file drop by Matt Taibbi as being one of the people that was blocked. Uh, So anyway, so that happened on Friday, and then there were supposed to be some more Twitter files dropped on um, Monday, they thought, maybe. And it turned out that it got suppressed a little bit or delayed a little bit and really really didn't know why. But now we find out that the reason why is because working at Twitter is this guy, used to be a FBI, Fibby lawyer, Fibby, uh, named... uh, James Baker. So this guy, James Baker, was the lawyer who was apparently employed by Twitter, and he was some type of uh, deputy general counsel. And uh, Musk found out that Baker was actually going through these files, un- unknown to Musk, before handing them over. And that's why it took longer for these to come through than um, than they were supposed to have. So anyway, it's interesting that we have this fibby lawyer who's working for Twitter and it's this insidious relationship that we have between the government and Twitter and other social media companies that un unbeknownst to uh your common ordinary american that that they didn't know this existed P- People like myself and people like you probably thought this existed forever because we've seen it and actually, if you go back in time this was uh this was back in twenty nineteen I believe. This is uh, they were talking about shadow banning before and shadow banning is involved where Twitter they would they would suppress the speech of some people by by limiting their interaction without the person even knowing it. And so this is called shadow banning. And one of the people that were shadow banned was um, or some of the people that were shadow banned, uh, you know, they could tell that they were shadow banned because they didn't they didn't have the reach that they used to have. And uh, but this was always denied and it was, uh, well, this is some type of, uh, you know, conspiracy conspiracy theory. This isn't happening. And throughout this whole thing, there's been a lot of back and forth between the media and I guess um, people who are covering this about who knew what when. And one of the people that was discussed about was in the Twitter file dump was Jack Dorsey. So Jack Dorsey prior to. Yeah, a few months ago, or maybe a half a year ago now was the CEO of Twitter. He's founder and CEO of Twitter. And he was kind of the face of what was going on with Twitter as far as shadow banning people. And then he kind of quietly stepped down and he installed this other guy who was there, Padawal or whatever his name was. And then he was He was fired as soon as Musk took over. So, but anyway, with his files, Matt Taibbi released, it said that Jack Dorsey was out of the loop on this, a lot of this stuff that was going on, a lot of this censorship of people's opinions that was going on, a lot of suppression of speech by Twitter that was going on. And then went out of his way to say that it looks like Jack Dorsey didn't have anything to do with this. And it was other, it was another general counsel lawyer. Uh, female who was fired as well by uh, Musk, so so the twi- so Dorsey kind of at least by these initial file releases has been um, I guess it, it looks like according to the to the release of files as it's filtered through by Matt Taibbi it looks like well maybe Dorsey didn't know what's going on you know it's kind of like this thing where they used to say in uh, Russia Soviet Union back in the old days. There's a people that were starving in the Ukraine, which is part of the Soviet Union. And the people were starving in Ukraine and the and they asked the people and the peasants of Ukraine, you know, the peasants actually told people who were leaving Ukraine and going back to Russia to please tell please tell Stalin what's going on, because if Stalin knew what was happening He would be very mad, so he doesn't. Stalin didn't know what was happening, and it's only because Stalin didn't know what was happening that they were going through this famine. And if Stalin, once Stalin finds out, uh, once Papa Joe finds out, he's going to set things right. And it's kind of that's what makes me think of with this Jack Dorsey situation. Is you know Jack Dorsey only knew, but Jack didn't know. Jack was you know Jack Jack just didn't know. So here's here's some from Jack Dorsey back when he was head in Twitter, and this is what he had to say about it. The content of its users, does it hide what it would consider inflammatory comments, whether they be social or political? Absolutely not. Twitter has always been about controls. People can follow whoever they want, and it's our job to make sure they see the most the most important things and the, and the things that will matter to them. Okay, you really need to understand, I, I think that video is going to be used in a court of law against him and and the company. Not only is he lying there,
1: uh, because he also, it's it's very obvious that he's lying. He's basically saying, we don't do anything. You can decide what to do, meaning you can block,
0: you can use That's Dave Rubin talking. This is off Dave Rubin's Instagram. And this this is the line. If you're you're a lawyer interested in First Amendment and any of this stuff, tech, this is the line. Our job is they see the most important things. Well, if your job is that they see the most important things, by default, you're ensuring that they won't see other certain things because you're deciding what's most important. Let me ask you point blank. Does Twitter censor the content of its users? Does it hide what it would consider inflammatory comments, whether they be social or political? Absolutely not. Twitter has always been about controls. People can follow whoever they want. And it's our job to make sure they see the most m- the most important things and the, and the things that will matter to them. Okay, you really need... So there we go. So most important things are the things that really matter. So he's kind of covering up. He's saying one thing and then saying another thing, really, and it's kind of it's hard to understand what it, what exactly he means when he says both those things. So then, so that was in, that was back when uh, he was still in charge of Twitter. And that's back when Joe Biden wasn't president yet. Okay. So that was back when Joe Biden wasn't president. So here, fast forward, this is from last year. This is 2021. This is uh, former press secretary Jen Psaki talking with people about COVID misinformation. And he was asked. she was asked a question about, at this point, there was some spying done on people, uh, apparently, who were spreading misinformation, quote unquote. And uh, someone asked a reporter um, whether or not. You know what? To what extent is the government doing this? And this is a Jinzaki's response to that. About you know what do they do? What, why do they do what they do when they're meeting with these social media companies and meeting with them to discuss things that are um, need to be uh, maybe looked at a little bit closely, more closely by the media companies, according to the government
1: an example so we are regularly making sure social media platforms are aware of the latest narratives dangerous to public health that we and many other americans seeing are seeing across all of sources
0: so stop right there that means if you are spreading information about the vaccine for instance it says the vaccine isn't all that it doesn't work Uh, or if you are uh, sending uh, information about uh, saying that you know, COVID-19 maybe didn't start in a wet market. Those are the things that, that they need to work on.
1: Social and traditional media. And we work to engage with them to better understand the enforcement of social media platform Policies. So let me give you an example just to illustrate it a little bit. Uh, the false narrative that remains active out there about COVID-19 vaccines causing infertility, something we've seen out there flowing on the Internet quite a bit and other places as well, which has been disproven time and time again. This is troubling, uh, but a persistent narrative that we and many have seen. And we want to know that the social media platforms are taking steps to address it. That is.
0: Here you go. So they're just out there looking out for your, the best interest of everybody involved, and they're not trying to censor anybody. They're just you know it's all for good, it's all for the good of the uh, good of the common people. So here we go. So this is a FBI lawyer there, FBI uh, lawyer James Baker, who was apparently the guy who was in charge of vetting these documents, and so this is from the Daily Caller. So fast forward to present day. So there we go. We have the previous Twitter. Uh, CEO saying that we don't we don't censor people's speech then we have Jinsaki last year saying uh well maybe we do maybe we do talk to these social media companies but it's only so that we can protect the public and then here's the present day this is from the daily caller musk fires ex-fbi lawyer for allegedly stonewalling access to hunter biden twitter files Elon Musk announced Tuesday that former FBI lawyer James Baker, who was Twitter's deputy general counsel, had been, quote, exited from the company for allegedly holding up on a release of documents pertaining to the platform's handling of the Hunter Biden laptop report. In light of concerns about Baker's possible role in suppression of information important to the public dialogue, he was exited from Twitter today, Musk posted on the social media site in response to Matt Taibbi tweeting a Sunday column by constitutional law uh, professor Jonathan Turley. Taibbi revealed the real reason behind the alleged delay in the Twitter files release in a thread posted on the social media site Tuesday. On Friday, the first installment of Twitter files was published here. We expected to publish more over the weekend. Many wondered why there was a delay Taibbi posted Tuesday. On Tuesday, Twitter Deputy General Counsel and former Phoebe General Counselor James Baker was fired, Taibbi said in a follow-up tweet, among the reasons vetting the first batch of Twitter files without knowledge of new management. So here he was. He was going through the Twitter files and uh, applying his own editorial comment to them. It said, um, "Tybee published documents Friday about Twitter's actions with regards to a Hunter, uh, October 2020 report by a New York Post about the contents of a laptop abandoned by Hunter Biden." Tybee noted that Baker had urged employees, "quote caution is warranted," about the laptop materials because there had been no proof that the materials were not obtained via hacking. So this was before an election. So here you have this former Fibby lawyer now working for Twitter. And at the time when the laptop happened, the laptop was abandoned by Hunter Biden. Uh, Here is Baker now, former Fibby lawyer, talking to Twitter employees and saying, look, we have no proof that This did not come from hacking. Therefore, caution is warranted. Therefore, we must censor anything having to do with this Hunter Biden laptop. And so, as Musk has pointed out, that is the definition of election interference. Back to the article. Baker, who was also involved in the probe of former President Trump's 2016 presidential campaign, joined Twitter after leaving in June of 2020. uh, Leaving Phoebe. Uh, Baker approved the surveillance on Carter Page. A Trump campaign aid based on information contained in the still since discredited still dossier. So connect the dots here. You have Fibby lawyer, James Baker, Fibby lawyer, James Baker, who was instrumental in the probe on Donald Trump when he was a candidate who left the FIbby in 2020. Now Trump is president candidate again for president and he is running against hunter biden when this laptop thing comes to comes to comes to light and so what happens is uh, fibby lawyer then former fibby lawyer baker now working at twitter says look you know we can't authenticate this now we must uh we must treat this with certain uh certain uh you know basically we can't cover this so this is interesting. So you're like, well, that's that's crazy. He's a Fibby lawyer. Why was he doing that? This is from American Greatness. Fibby met with Twitter, quote, weekly ahead of 2020, warned of, quote, hack and leak operations. This is from uh, Eric Lindrum. In the weeks leading up to the 2020 presidential election, Phoebe agents would hold, quote, weekly meetings with a big tech company, Twitter, to discuss content moderation, eventually leading to the agency warning the platform of so-called, quote, hack and leak operations by foreign, quote, state actors. Shortly after the company censored the Hunter Biden laptop story on these grounds. So, shortly before. So, so here we go. fibby uh, lawyer, Phoebe, not fibby ex-lawyers, But actual fibby agents leading up to the 2020 presidential election met with big tech company, Twitter weekly. And then they had these uh, they had a warning that said, look, there's something coming out about Hunter Biden. We're afraid this is foreign actors. You know, this is Trump's people again, up to no good. And they're going to try to influence the election. And so in order to prevent these people from influencing the election, it would seem on Trump's behalf, you have to basically be careful about this. And uh, what did Twitter do? It says the New York Post reports that these claims came from a sworn declaration by Yoel Roth, the former head of integrity for Twitter, filed with the federal election commission on December 21st, 2020. It says, I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community, FIBI, expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks, and that the material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. Ross' statement revealed. I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. Uh, Ross statement was revealed as part of Twitter's defense against a complaint filed by the Tea Party Patriots Foundation, alleging that the platform censorship in favor of Hunter Biden ultimately constituted a quote in kind contribution to Joe Biden's campaign for presidency. These warnings led to Twitter's unprecedented decision to censor the post story almost immediately after it broke on October 14th, 2020. Now that was right before the election. Falsely labeled as, quote, Russian disinformation, anyone who attempted to post the original URL link in a tweet or private message would automatically be blocked from sending the post. The New York Post also temporarily banned in the days of the stories following the story's publication. It was banned for a long time, actually, after this. And this is, this is what the first dump was about. So the first Twitter file dump was about this uh, Twitter's actions specifically about the... Um, about uh, Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, So you got Fibby lawyers, you got the Fibby, and you've got Twitter, all acting in collusion, all acting together in collusion, as it would seem, to limit the impact of bad news on Joe Biden and therefore to interfere with the election And throw support to Joe Biden and hurt Donald Trump. All right. So that was the first batch of Twitter files that came out. Now, there's been a second batch of Twitter files come out. This is a more general batch. So this is is from The Blaze. Elon Musk released a second set of, quote, Twitter files detailing how conservatives were shadow banned and blacklisted. Billionaire entrepreneur Elon Musk released a second edition of Twitter files on Thursday, revealing how the company had shadow banned and blacklisted accounts. The story was released to journalist Barry Weiss, who tweeted it in a long thread from our account. A new Twitter files investigation reveals that the team of Twitter employees built blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics all in secret without informing users. Weiss detailed how Twitter placed the account of Dr. J of Stanford on a, of Stanford university on a trends back blacklist blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending because he argued that the pandemic lockdowns were harmful to children. Now, do you think Twitter just came up with this on their own? This is from, uh, this is uh this is what people told Barry Weiss talking about the shadow banning. Uh, it says, what is known about shadow banning? That's what the Jack Dorsey was talking about earlier. So, what is known as quote shadow banning was referred to as quote visibility filtering at Twitter. Think about visibility filtering as being able, being a way for us, being the Twitter people, to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool, said one senior Twitter employee to, to Weiss. This was recently. We control visibility quite a bit, and we control the amplification of your content quite a bit. And normal people do not how much know how much we do, Weiss quoted a Twitter engineer. Uh, there was an official team that handled the shadow banning of about 200 users per day. But there was also a specialized executive team for more sensitive cases of users with high follower accounts. One of those was a popular libs of TikTok account. That account was publicly suspended for hateful conduct, but interior emails say otherwise. LTT, Liz TikTok, has not directly engaged in behavior violative of the hateful conduct policy the committee concluded. The committee instead justified the suspension of the account by claiming the post encouraged harassment by insinuating that, quote, gender affirming health care is equivalent to child abuse or grooming. The hypothesis underlying much of what we've implemented is that the exposure to, i.e., e.g., for example, misinformation directly causes harm. So they're saying, "Look, the misinformation causes harm, so we should use remediations that reduce exposure and limit the spread virility of content." And that's a, and this is a good way to do it. Yul Roth wrote in an email from twenty twenty one. So these Twitter people who uh were suppressing the speech it just so happens everything that they do suppresses speech on one spectrum of the political of the uh, one side of the political spectrum and that would be anybody that's not left-wing so here we have now evidence that there was before when uh before biden was in office that Dorsey was saying there was no shadow banning. We know shadow banning was going on, and then now that Biden's in office, we had Saki admitting that they're meeting with people routinely, and we know that before Trump got in office, that James Baker was uh, the guy in Phoebe who was heading up all of the uh, um, the initial the initial uh, documents. And things sent to the FISA court to start to investigate Donald Trump. See how all this just merges happily together. And all of this is done without anybody knowing it. And it wouldn't be known at all if for a few things. One is lawsuits where people like Joel Roth are forced to testify under per, uh, risk of perjury. Another one is whistleblowers. So people who go to uh, people like. Project Veritas or people who uh, otherwise um, send information out that it's not supposed to get out. And three is Elon Musk, because if Elon Musk had not bought Twitter, Twitter would not have never have released any of this information. And what we don't know is how much of this information was uh, is gone. I mean, before Musk took over, how much of this information, which is very sensitive, uh, which is very damning, has has been uh, erased and you know, there's people saying, "Well, this is a private company, and this, that, and the other." This proves that it wasn't a private company only acting on its own. This shows that this is a private company acting on on direction, or at least in accordance with what is going on by the the FIBI, which is the establishment, which is a deep state, which is doesn't matter if there's a Republican in office or if there's a if there's Democrat in office. As we have seen since 2015, at least, Phoebe has always had uh, uh, Donald Trump, at least, and Donald Trump, by extension, meaning people who support Donald Trump in their sites through banning of speech, through regulation of uh, what they can say. And, And you just take this from a standpoint of social media and you just expand it out. Look at all the things that they've done. I mean... If you can ban certain speech on the basis that it causes harm, so for instance, you can ban someone's speech saying, "Look, I think if you uh, uh, cut a a, a, a a girl's breast off a pubescent girl's breast off, I think that's child abuse, and then you can say well that's that's harmful that's uh, that's that's speech that we can't allow." And then you have the uh, deputy health secretary Rachel Levine basically saying the same thing. Then then you have in this kind of you have this dual effort from both the government to enforce what they believe and then from the social media companies to make you not to make it to where you can't say what you believe. It's a very insidious thing. It's almost uh, unbelievable that it happens. And if you didn't know otherwise, if you weren't always suspicious of this, then it would be shocking to you. I was listening to Hugh Hewitt this morning, and Hugh Hewitt's a Republican. Um, sorry, a Republican talk show host, conservative, but he's a conservative in the same way. Maybe Mitch McConnell's a conservative, or you know, he's a conservative that thinks that maybe Mitt Romney's you know not such a bad guy. And Mitt Romney maybe is a, you know, maybe he's a solid, solid type of Republican. I don't know if he says that for sure. But anyway, he's a moderate. Okay, let's just say it that way. He's a moderate. He's a moderate. He's not a, he's not going to uh, go to any Trump parades. Let's say he's not going to go to a Trump boat parade. Uh, he's not going to, um, he's not going to be really vocal about you know, anything that's very conservative is more of a moderate guy. Anyway, so I was listening to him this morning. He said that he was shocked by those Twitter Twitter files, and he was really shocked, totally shocked. Uh, I can tell you that most people who are conservative, like very conservative or even moderately conservative, were not shocked at all that this is happening. And uh, I guess it just goes to show how little the general public knows about this type of speech process uh, or speech limiting process that goes on. It's really scary. Uh, what else do we have? You know, there's this other thing that happened recently. This Brittany Griner, this basketball player. So she got caught in Russia. She was uh, had some vape pens and they arrested her. She admitted she had vape pens. She said she didn't. She didn't do anything purposefully. She was, you know, trying to, you know, say I'm sorry, mea culpa. Anyway, they sentenced her to nine years. Anyway, so she went to nine years, sentence in a penal colony. And there's been a lot of, you know, back and forth about how terrible it is, and it is terrible. Who would want to be in nine years in a penal colony? So she was there, and it just turns out that you know Brittany Griner is kind of one of these uh, social justice warriors, kneel for the anthem, that type of thing. You know, police are. You know, police brutality. Police are police aren't good people. This type of thing. Anyway, so she's there in in Russia, and she's in there. And then in the meantime, we have this guy in our in our cells. who's a uh, a, a gunrunner. His name is Victor Bout. Well, they've been trying to get Victor Bout out of prison now for a long time, and, and now yesterday uh or a couple days ago Brittany griner was swapped for victor bout who is a russian drug runner or not drug runner arms dealer and britney griner is a wnba basketball player and so we did this switch and then that was it and now it's joe biden's being lauded as such a great guy because uh, he got that he got britney griner out and it just shows no nobody's left behind except If you're the Marine that was in there, apparently, that has been left behind. And uh, he's been left behind now for a long time and will continue to be left behind. But anyway, Brittany Griner got out. Well, it's funny because no sooner had Brittany Griner got out than this person who was this. uh, She was a spy, actually. She was convicted of being uh, she was she was uh, acting as an unregistered foreign agent, Maria Butina. This is from Daily Mail, UK Daily Mail. Russians mock America for swapping arms dealer Victor Bout for Britney Griner. Uh, and it says Vladimir Putin's top allies in Russia are mocking America over the recent prisoner swap that saw a U.S. release convicted arms dealer Victor Bout in exchange for WNBA star Britney Griner, claiming that Russia got the better end of the deal. Maria Butina, the pro Putin MP elected to Russia's Duma after serving a U.S. prison sentence for acting as an unregistered foreign agent, led the charge in taunting the U.S. over Thursday's exchange. The fact that Russia pushed through the exchange about who America fundamentally did not want to give away for many years right now means that like in The Godfather we quote made them an offer that cannot be refused but Tina boasted in Russia in Russian on her Telegram channel This is a position of strength comrades she says and she was deported by So she's right though because uh this is a position of strength and there's been a lot of people saying well how could how could a how could Biden be so stupid how could Biden be so weak as to give up a Russian's arms dealer for Brittany Greiner, especially when there's a U.S. Marine still waiting in prison there. And there's other people who have been in prison there much longer than Brittany Greiner. Uh, and uh, they just couldn't uh, bring them. They couldn't use them as leverage to get this. Uh, they couldn't use them as leverage to release this arms dealer, but they use Brittany Greiner. But it makes me think about, The people who run Joe Biden are the same people who ran Obama, or the people who backed Obama and surrounded Obama and Obama himself. And if you remember back uh, when Obama was president, he got Bowie Bergdahl out. He got Bowie Bergdahl out. He was released from. um, He he was under Taliban. He was he was kidnapped by the Taliban supposedly after he deserted his post. Now. I don't know how much kidnapping took place if the guy deserted his post in the in Taliban territory. But let's just say that he was he was taken in by the Taliban after he deserted his post. He was an army soldier. So he got he got released after um, Obama swapped five Taliban people for him. Taliban generals from the Guantanamo Bay, not generals, whatever they are. Capos. So five big, big wigs from the Taliban got released in exchange for Bowie Bergdahl. So it makes you think that, you know, maybe it isn't such a big deal that they let Brittany Griner out. This is just a continuation of the same policy that Obama had, which is basically we need to uh, release as many people as possible from our cells that would let us that, that make us have an advantage because these guys that were released, this is from the sun. Dot com, These guys that were released now to this stay are back in the Taliban working. And uh, this was Bowie Bergdahl was released in what was it 2009 to 2014. So he was released in 14 and they released these five guys in exchange for Bowie Bergdahl. And it says now where are the four Guantanamo detainees released in exchange for Bergdahl? The four members of the so-called Taliban 5 who have, jo- have joined new government are acting director of intelligence Abdul Haq Wasik, actor acting minister of borders and tribal affairs Nurala Nori, department defense minister Muhammad Fazl, and acting minister of information and culture Kahura Karkari. In exchange the fifth member of the Taliban 5 was appointed governor of the East Eastern Coast Province. So there you go. So this is just a this is just a continuation of the same policies that Obama had, and you think I'm joking when I say that he wants to make America weak, and that he wanted to make America weak and the people behind him. But that was actually what his uh, kind of what his his I guess his uh, when he when he became president in 2008, he went on this apology tour, and that was kind of what he said was look, for too long we have exerted power that we shouldn't have, and this. Is got to stop, and you know, I'm the guy that's gonna stop it. And throughout his presidency, Obama did nothing to try to strengthen the uh, American, you know, he did nothing except to try to make America a little bit weaker and make it a little bit less of a uh, world power because that's unfair that there's a world power and the United States is the world power. And that's what Obama felt. And the people who run Biden feel the same thing. And uh, people that run Biden are left wing, and they believe that a powerful America is a dangerous thing. It's not a good thing in a, to have a powerful America. And I think this is just part of his him or whoever runs him. This is part of Biden's plan to kind of just continue on what Obama was doing. And that's kind of take a, take America down a little bit at a time, take America back um, down to a maybe a level that so you know china and russia can catch up and that's a lot about what the um climate change stuff is about you know paying these other countries our money because we've done so much bad and we just got to help them out it's all part of this uh weird fixation on uh, the guilt of america and, and feeling like maybe america is not a america is a strong place is not a good thing but that makes sense to them. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and sometimes people try to, try to figure it out. And I think it's it's impossible to figure out because it's such a different philosophy. That just the philosophy it doesn't make any sense. The philosophy that says America is bad, you know, it's like the sixteen nineteen project. America was founded on racism. America is a racist country. Continues to this day. And the only way to make it better is basically to destroy America. That is. That's in a nutshell what American Marxism is about. American Marxism is about that. One leg of American Marxism is climate change ideology. Man-made climate change. Why do I say that? Because man-made climate change ideology says America needs to pay these other countries. Uh, America needs to to reduce its uh, power through capitalism. America needs to be economically weaker. That's what climate change at the end of the game is about, making America weaker, making capitalism in America weaker. And a part of Mar- American Marxism is just uh, resetting it to where America is no longer this global power. And uh, they think that it's bad for America to be a global power. I don't know. Strange thing. I can't explain it. And uh, you'll hurt your head if you try to figure it out from their point of view, because it doesn't, doesn't make any sense. Christian cinema has left the Democrat Party. Uh, as a, uh, I guess she says, uh, this is WFLA News. Arizona Senator Kristen Sinema announced her decision to leave the Democratic Party and officially register as an independent. And she says, this is a natural extension of my service since I was first elected to Congress. I have joined the growing numbers of Arizonans who reject party politics by declaring my independence from the broken partisan system in Washington and formally registering as an Arizona Independent. Uh, This doesn't mean anything, actually, because she said that she's just going to continue to caucus with the Democrats. This is a pure power move by her. Only thing this does is attract attention to her because she's going to continue to caucus with the Democrats. Presumably, she's going to continue to vote with the Democrats, except for that, you know, two times a year when she or Joe Manchin don't, and then they eventually go back and do vote for something. That's the same thing that they were voting against or just a little bit worse or just a little bit, a little bit least uh, less, less bad. So anyway, so she's becoming an independent means nothing means nothing. It's just for, it's just for headlines. Uh, Here's some story here about um, this came out a few weeks ago. that said, that Ron DeSantis was going to do a U-turn on his decision to uh, strip Disney of their special, special status. And this is from just the news. It says, DeSantis' office says no U-turns on decision to strip Disney of special status. DeSantis has no plans to back down against corporate behemoth Walt Disney after speculation that laws put in place in April to dissolve the company's self-governing power were going to be scaled back. In March, then Disney CEO Bob Chapek publicly opposed House Bill 1557, the Parental Rights and Education Act, which was designed to restrict the teaching of gender identity and sexual orientation in public schools from kindergarten through third grade. That's not the only thing. It was designed to restrict teaching of any sexuality in schools, not just gender orientation and sexual identity. The bill quickly became known in the media as the quote, don't say gay bill. Anyway, so uh, it says here, Florida state legislatures are working on a compromise that would allow Disney to keep the arrangement largely in place with a few modifications. That was from the Financial Times and Reuters. And that's that came out after Bob Iger was reappointed CEO after they fired Chapek because his uh, performance as the CEO had led to very bad stock prices. Iger recently told Disney employees that he was sorry to see us dragged into that battle, quote, uh, and it was according to DeSantis' team's, the reports of the governor, and according to DeSantis' team, the reports of the governor wanting to scale back laws to benefit Disney are untrue. Governor DeSantis does not make U-turns. The governor was right to champion removing the extraordinary benefit given to one company through the Reedy Creek Improvement District, Griffin said. Griffin is the uh, press secretary. We we will have an even playing field for businesses in Florida, and the state certainly owes no special favors to one company. Disney's debts will not fall on the taxpayers of Florida. Plan is in the works and will release be released soon. So there you go. There's been a lot of Trump supporters who are trying to claim that Desantis is some type of rhino, or he's 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 in bed with you know. Paul Ryan and you know people like that who are these establishment people I just don't buy it um, DeSantis other than have been in Congress at the same time as some of these guys uh, as far as I know has nothing to do with them now so I don't know why there's this all this talk about DeSantis being uh, a, a tool of the uh, the rhinos or the establishment to you know they're gonna throw their weight behind DeSantis in order to win the win the nomination in 2024. I just don't think it's... I don't think it's the case where DeSantis is ever going to be outed as a rhino. But if you look at people who are very hardcore Trump people, there there are some people who are... Let's put it this way. There are some people who want Trump... who like Trump so much that they think they will vote for Trump or vote for nobody. And that to me is... A bridge too far. I have never felt like I owed any candidate anything. and whether it's Trump, whether it's DeSantis, whether it's, you know, Bob Dole. And the idea that you're going to only vote in the election because of this guy is running. And if it's not your guy, that you're not going to vote. If that guy is Trump uh, and then your alternative is somebody like DeSantis, that to me seems crazy. Now, looking back on it, if I had, you know, to vote again, knowing what I know about Mitt Romney, for instance, would I have voted for Mitt Romney? I don't know. Probably not. Because, look, we got you got Joe. I mean, you got Barack Obama. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that Mitt Romney would have been a hell of a lot of improvement over. I guess he wouldn't have he wouldn't have uh, gone on an apology tour. But Mitt Romney is just such a he's he's such a weakling. So anyway, back to my point, though, is if you had the if you had the uh, choice between Trump and DeSantis, how you could say, look, I'm going to vote for Trump if Trump's running. But if Trump doesn't get the nomination, then I'm not going to vote for DeSantis. And I want to see Biden get back in there. It seems crazy to me. Uh, There's this uh, terrible news. This girl that was kidnapped in texas poor baby was named athena strand uh she was kidnapped in texas a couple weeks ago and the the story was that she was playing and they didn't know what happened to her and then she's just missing and she was missing for i don't know how long not very long and of course when that happens you always hope for the best but in your mind you know the worst is likely well, the worst is likely, and this poor child, Athena Strand, was found to have been killed, murdered by this uh, FedEx driver. And now it turns out that this FedEx driver is saying in a um, in a warrant here, he's saying that the reason he the reason he killed her was he accidentally hit her with his van. And it says here, this is from Fox News. Uh, stunning new details emerge in the murder of the seven year old Texas girl Athena Strand. It has now been revealed that Tanner Thornton, the Tanner Horn, Horner, is the uh, demon who killed the girl. Uh, the contracted FedEx driver who struck Strand with his van strangled the girl. Horner claimed that he accidentally hit Strand with his van while delivering what wound up being a Christmas present. Despite being hit by the van, Horner says Strand was okay and even able to talk after the incident and tell her his name. Tell him her name. However, the driver apparently panicked and shoved Strand into his vehicle. After attempting to break break the little girl's neck, Horner resulted to strangling Strand because he was concerned she might tell her father about the situation, according to an affidavit obtained by the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And it goes on to say that where her body was discovered is now filled with pink balloons because the pink was Athena's favorite color. And this is what her mother said: "I just want you all to know that she was amazing. She would truthfully love every single one of you because she loves every human she has ever met and every animal that she has ever met." Says Maitland Gandhi, Athena's mother. And then, just, and then this is the grandfather that was during the vigil. This is the grandfather. I can't quiet my mind and I have to share this. A friend of mine just asked me the other day if I believe God speaks to people. I happen to believe I happen to know he does as he is speaking to me now. This flesh, this man that I am is angry and I want five minutes alone in a cell with the psycho that took away Athena from us. But there's a gentle voice in the back of my head telling me I need to forgive him. Athena's grandfather, Mark Strand, said in a tribute. That's something else. I tell you. Uh, I don't know. I pray for this family, and I pray for all these children that are harmed. Um, We have to believe or you have to acknowledge that there's a lot of evil in the world. And you have to acknowledge that evil like this can only be dealt with in one way, and that's for complete total eradication as soon as possible. This person... Uh, is going to get better treatment than the people who are the January 6th trespassers or protesters or whatever you want to call them. He is going to have a long life behind bars, most likely. He is going to have three square meals a day. He's going to have cable television. He's going to have access to health care that many of you don't have access to. And he is going to live, like I said, probably a very long life if he even gets the death penalty, if he gets the death penalty, it won't be for many, many years. He's going to have a lot of time to prepare for it. He's going to have a lot of time to think about it. He's going to have a lot of time to uh, have, like I said, he's going to have access to the best health best care. He's, he's going to have time. And he's going to be put to death in a very, very humane way if he if he gets the death penalty. He'll be put to sleep. No, no different than if you're going to go to surgery. And so... But what do you do about a guy like this? I mean, what do you do about a evil person like this? And I guess the only thing that I can say is that you, like I said, this type of evil needs to be eradicated as soon as possible. And you have to figure out what is it that drives a person like this to do this. And, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with our culture. If such a selfish rotten culture when you get down to it. We have done so much to dissuade people from seeking any type of spirituality, whether it be Christian, whether it be Muslim, Judeo-Christian, whatever. Uh, Secularism, humanism is is the way to go. And if you look at secularism and humanism, what is it about secularism and humanism that's so attractive? Well, it's because secularism and humanism is about you. You're the most important making you happy is the most important. Um, not facing up to your responsibilities, just living this carefree life and not being judged. That's why so much about what the left is, is about you can't judge people. Uh, you can't judge people for, uh, you know, things they do or say if, if, Let's bring it, you know, for instance, this this child uh, surgery they want to have on children and they want to take children and cut their breasts off and give them puberty blockers and surreptitiously slip in propaganda to their to their programming in order to make them think that if they're young and they're teenagers and that they feel confused that maybe they're the wrong gender and maybe they should have this irreversible treatment done to them. And if you criticize that, then you're you're a bad person, you know this this thing this idea that you're not supposed to criticize anybody or people that are like this guy uh, they're just immune they're immune from any type of criticism because that's the worst thing in the world the worst thing in the world now if you ask the secularist is is people can't have their feelings hurt depends who it is of course if you're conservative if you're you know if if you if you're a certain part of cert, certain groups then you can be you can have your feelings hurt all all day long. That's expected. That's warranted. That's necessary, because you are the one who's going about uh, causing everyone else to have uh, sadness in their life, or you're the one that's going about oppressing everybody. But you know, if you're certain groups, though, you you know, even if you're a what they call a child, uh, what they call it, minor attracted a uh, person, you know, they're they're trying to normalize us now where. People who are attracted to children—that's just that's just one of the various different sexualities there are. You know, the fifty-seven genders. This is just one of the fifty-seven sexualities. Maybe you're pansexual. Maybe you like to have sex with men and women, and maybe you like to have sex with children too. That's just the way you are. And who are we to criticize you? But this, anyway, this 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 is how you get to an point like this. This person is not insane. It appears uh th- this person is driven by a reckless disregard for humanity a callous evil heart that would strangle a child that would try to kill a child who had just survived his errant stupid ass driving apparently his incompetent dumbass driving technique had survived his and then he she approaches this guy tells him her name and what is his response he wants to he wants to strangle her or kill her so she doesn't tell his father now there's going to be people out there going to be saying well we don't know what 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 he was thinking he panicked and uh, gosh we got to have compassion for him well guess what i don't have any compassion for people like this i don't have any compassion for this this type of thing and unlike this grandfather i probably would not be able to forgive this person nor would i want to Uh, And I would face up to God and tell God that when I got there and and I would say, look, it just wasn't in me to forgive that person. And I I agree with what that grandfather said. Five minutes alone is is good enough. It was all it it would take to take care of that guy. But anyway, just just a thought, you know, anytime you hear about, you know, people saying, well, Judeo-Christian, you know, Christians are, you know, Christians are, are bad people. They're they're too judgmental. This, that, and you never hear of Christians doing things like this. You know that? Now, you may hear somebody who claims to be a Christian doing like this, but no actual practicing Christian, no actual practicing religious person does this. And it's not even about religion. No moral person does this. You can be an atheist. And be a moral person, but what we teach in our culture is not morality. We teach immorality. We promote immorality. We promote destruction of family values that can uh, teach it morality. We, as a as a culture and as a government, seek to destroy families. And in destroying families, you destroy the fabric that has allowed. Through millennia, the teaching of morals, the bringing up of uh, children in a in a in a loving environment, and that's what you end up with. I don't know this guy's background. I don't care what his background is. I don't give a shit what his excuses are. And there'll be people who will want to know his excuses. I don't give a damn. All I'd like to see is for this son of a bitch to get the electric chair. Of course, that's not going to happen because they don't have the electric chair in Texas. But anyway. Anytime you hear about people saying, no, we, we need to get away from this, you know, judgmental, this religious religiosity, and you know, or, or the social media garbage that you see where that just just the rotten crap you see on the media in you know, social media and the, the rot they promote that this thing about destroying families, you know, um, you know, teaching that, that you don't have to have a parents in a home and it doesn't matter if if it's, a you know, you know two parent household or not all parent households are the same no not all parent households are the same optimally you'd have two parents optimally you'd have two good parents now, are there's some bad parents that are out there of course and, and there's some good single parents out there of course but the, the idea that you promote uh, the disintegration of the nuclear family, and that's what part of this American Marxism is about is disintegration of the nuclear family. That's the first and foremost what it's about, disintegration of the nuclear family, because you have to replace government for your family. And that's what it's about. This is evil. This leads eventually to stuff like this where people are just evil and they have no uh, moral compass and it's it's not helped at all by the government it's not helped by our rotten ass media and social media. Anyway, prayers to that poor family. And please be careful with your own children and arm yourself too. If you, if you're not armed, I mean, you don't have to be armed. Look, I'm armed. And uh, I think everyone should be armed if they feel comfortable being armed. And that's how you prevent. And that wouldn't have protected this girl necessarily. God knows what could have pre- prevented this. Maybe Nothing. I tell you what may have been preventing it is if she wasn't outside there by herself. But that being said, I don't know what the situation was, but watch your children. But always try to protect yourself. Do as much as you can. And, uh, you know, don't leave home without it is my motto when I when I have my uh, firearm. Don't leave home without it and keep, make sure it's safe. Make sure it's out of the reach of children so that you don't want them to be harmed because that's another tragedy that you don't want to have. But. Uh, if you 're able to don 't leave home without it, take it with you and because you may be able to prevent something from something like this with some person who 's just uh, has no uh qualms about taking life and uh it may not be like this it may be somebody else, but there are people out there that don 't have any qualms about taking life or liberty from you, and you can be the one to stop them Anyway, so we're here in Tampa. If you want to hear more of the Dr. Tommy show, go to drtommy.com slash podcast. If you are in the area and you want to have a uh, consult with a concierge medicine physician, our practice is concierge medicine. Uh, We are open for new patients, and uh, even through the last of the year, we're going to take new patients. Uh, Our practice is completely different than what you're used to as far as the process, it's easy you walk in uh there's no um there's no glass windows there's no sign in sheets it's just myself and Tracy who is my wife who's the nurse and administrator i'm the physician dr tommy and we take care of people as best as we can to uh help them get as healthy as possible And uh, we help them whether they're healthy or whether they're not healthy. We just help them get as good as possible. And we eliminate all the garbage that's um, out there as far as uh, barriers between you and your, your doctor. There's no phone trees. You don't have to worry about waiting weeks and weeks to see us. If you need to see us, we'll see you the same day if possible, if not the next day. And we're here after hours. We're here by phone. We're here by text, email, whatever the case is. And so that's what we do here. We're drtommy.com slash podcast for the podcast. And then for the actual practice, drtommy.com. Tracy and I would be glad to see you. And thank you for joining us. Please tune in to us uh, and subscribe. And then also please join us again next week. But until next week, have a good day. And until next week, bye-bye.